Welcome back to Back to the Bins. We're so glad you could join us. Whether you're a brand new listener or you've been here from the very beginning, I really, really appreciate you tuning in. And I hope you'll continue to come back each and every week for more Back Issue goodness. I'm your co-host, Scott Gardner, and it is my privilege to welcome back to this show my good buddy, Adam Tebow. Adam writes uh, the Dispatches from the Arrow Cave blog, which is a Green Arrow-centric blog. And you can find that at thearrowcave.blogspot.com. Welcome back, Adam. Well, hey, thanks for having me back. Um, I've got a new comic this week. Um, it is Avengers number 200, uh, which is the, the big well, I, double size. I just read this not long ago, <laughs> believe it or not. It is uh, back in the year 1980, uh, October, as a matter of fact. And uh, this actually has a significant portion of the... Uh, the Marvel folks at the time working on it. It's got uh, covers by George Perez, which is uh, it's awesome. It's got a big uh, 200 in the middle, surrounded by all the Avengers in different poses. And that's the sort of thing that, that Perez does really well, is giant group shots with lots of people in it. So It is written by Jim Shooter, George Perez, and then Layton and Michelini, who I'm not, I'm not as familiar with. Bob, I'm presumably Bob Layton, but... Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, David Michelini is the... Uh, the name. There we go. He's in there right after that. Um, and at the time, Jim Shooter was also editor in chief. So uh, we got he's uh, filling in a couple different spots on this one. It's called uh, "The Child Is Father to Question Mark," <laughs> and it's kind of a really bizarre issue. Yes, um, it is. It just goes in all kinds of places, some of which are very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it starts out. Uh, with, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the cover price is 75 cents, and I'm I'm pretty sure I paid a dollar for this issue. So uh, that's you know that's appreciation for you. <laughs> uh, it starts out, and Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, is having a baby, and uh, all the men of the Avengers are of course pacing outside of the delivery room, uh, and Donald Blake, you know Thor, is uh, delivering the baby, and then we have some information about what's going on, and it turns out that Miss Marvel has only been pregnant for the past three days and doesn't have any explanation to who the father can be. So I assume that she hasn't had any romantic liaisons to explain the, any, any sort of pregnancy, let alone one that was uh, only three days long. And, of course, you know, we're ever, uh, the more people start showing up, we got uh, the Wasp and Scarlet Witch show up outside of the room just as the baby's born, and apparently... Uh, Miss Marvel did not have any pain and didn't push at all when the baby was born, so it just kind of gave birth to itself. And, uh, of course, everybody goes in and oohs and ahs over the baby because he's so cute and, you know, like people are wanting to do. But uh, Miss Marvel doesn't really want to have anything to do with the thing because she's <laughs> understandably a little nervous about, how this, how, how, about what the heck is going on with this whole thing suddenly becomes pregnant and three days later gives birth to a baby without actually, you know, having any uh, <laughs> any explanation as to how it happened. Um, and then the baby starts to age rapidly. It goes from a newborn um, to a two-year-old within a matter of a couple hours. Uh, and then it starts to speak, uh, which is even weirder. You know, it's, it's, it's aging and knows how to talk already. Uh, and then we go to a guy getting on the subway a different part of New York, and he ends up in the... Uh, he ends up on Wall Street, where he was intending to go, but it looks like it's in the 18th century. There's a, a church and a horse and buggy, and 
is obviously not what he was uh, expecting. And then I'm, I'm just going to kind of speed up along here because this gets really convoluted at some points. Yeah, it, uh, it, it does. I, I don't envy you the summarizing <laughs> task on this one, having recently read it myself. Uh, the, the, the baby continues to get older. You know, he ends up uh, as a five-year-old in a few more hours. Uh, they ask who his, where he came from, and he says, my mother. And is like, well, but how are you conceived? Uh, my father, but who's your father? I am. Okay, well, that's bizarre. <laughs> and um, you know, we continue through. They're talking about him. They're trying to figure out what to do. And then a lady goes out to her mailbox and ends up in the Mesozoic era. There's dinosaurs everywhere. Um, and we continue on. And finally, the kid grows up into a young adult. He's probably about 25 at this point. And the text is giving you the indication that Miss Marvel is attracted to him. Which, considering she gave birth to him a few hours ago, and he calls her mother, is really creepy. Um, and so we continue on. It looks like there's there's more and more temporal anomalies. There's spaceships showing up. There's dinosaurs showing up. Uh, and so the Avengers go out to fight everybody. Uh, Iron Man punches a Tyrannosaurus Rex in the face, and so that's uh, awesome. And Scarlet Witch defeats a knight, and we got you know Native Americans coming in, spaceships, and the whole thing, you know, Wonder Man, not Wonder Man, uh, Miss Marvel, and the kid continue to talk, and he eventually explains where he's from. Uh, he was, his father was the ruler of Limbo, and he eventually, he, he ends up rescuing uh, Miss Marvel. Um, it looks like she was on a sinking ship, and he takes her back to his dimension, and it looks like he sort of brainwashes her, and they have sex. And then he sends her back to her own time and then uses her to enter our world as her son. And then they go back off to limbo together and live happily ever after. And everyone's okay with this. <laughs> you got you got like Iron Man and Hawkeye. They're like, oh, you know, it's sad that she's leaving, but I hope everything works out for her. And, you know, she's going to live happily ever after when... I mean, <laughs> she gives birth to her own son, who is also the father of the kid, and who brainwashed her, and takes her away, and none of them... Everyone acts just like this is a regular thing. I mean, even the Marvel Universe, that's a little weird. That's very... Yeah, you would think that they'd want to, like, hold an intervention for her or something. <laughs> They're like, uh, yeah, Carol? Um, this guy sort of, uh brainwashed you and now he wants to take you away after you gave birth to him and I, I mean I, I can't even think about how weird that whole situation has to be <laughs> now if I'm not mistaken oh my god this this is going to test the old brain muscle right here and that's not that's never a, a good thing for me I remember in the third Avengers series you know the, the one that started out with the hero's return uh huh Later in that series, and I'm not sure who the writer or the artist was on this, but I'm pretty sure this guy came back. Oh my god, I, I'm I'm desperately trying to recall this story. It was I think it had something to do with the United Nations building or some shit, and he was eventually he reveals himself to be Red Ronin or something. But then they end up finding, or is it Red Ronin? Red, red somebody. Damn, I can't remember this. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't even have brought it up. But anyway, 
if I remember properly, even though she went off to limbo with the guy and everything in this story, the take on it in the in this later story I'm talking about was more that she finally did wise up and realize that that he had used her and abused her and and everything else, and there actually was some animosity there and everything. Now, I'm looking at cover images real quick to try to refresh myself, and the only one I find that, that looks like this is probably the storyline I'm referring to is uh, Avengers Volume 3, number 47. It says it's written by uh, Kurt Busiek. Mm-hmm. Um, art by Garcia. I don't know which Garcia that would be, and Layton on the inks, which is probably Bob Layton. I don't know if that's the issue or not, but I'm, I'm going to guess that that probably is, but... Yeah, I, I know that this guy comes back anyway, and the second time around, it's not all lovey-dovey like it is this time. I think she, I think it's revealed in that story that that she finally wised up and realized that he was a scumbag and and was trying to manipulate her, you know, emotions and and mind and everything, and and actually tries to to fend him off or whatever. Yeah, I, I see. I seem to remember what you're talking about, and I think she ends up getting really mad at the Avengers. For uh, for just letting her go. Yeah. Or as well she should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you stop me? This guy was obviously kidnapping me. I might be confusing storylines just a bit because then I'm looking at the cover image for number 41 and that's the one that's in front of the United Nations building with the big... God, I wish I could remember this guy's name. It's, I don't think it is Red Ronan. It's Red somebody who every time this guy shows up, he's revealed to be somebody else. And I think he was actually even revealed to be Cyclops at one time. But for oh, the life yeah, of me, I... I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I don't remember his name, though. Yeah, it's Red somebody. I don't well, know. Well, I, I always felt bad for Miss Marvel because she just seems to get the, the, the short end of the stick in just about every situation she's in. I oh, mean, yeah. she gets... You know, she gets her... All of her memories drained by Rogue and the... <laughs> And, uh, you know, she has this happened to her, and, uh, you know, I just, I feel bad for her. Oh, not to mention the the fact that she was at one time saddled with one of the goofiest and sorriest looking identities ever, which was binary. Yeah. I mean, the powers were kind of cool, but, God, she looked freakish, man. I mean, she was just not attractive at all in that guise. I mean, I think the outfit was kind of cool, but then they had her... Was she like colored orange with like electro hair or something yeah. like that? It was just bizarre, really, really bizarre. And then I think at one point they made her an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like that's fairly right. Recently, just <laughs> poor woman can't catch a break. She is cool though. She's kind of like the power power girl of Marvel, and I think they're trying to play up that that portion of her now and that strength of her. I don't know if her book is still running, but. I think it is. Yeah, the issues of that that I caught, I actually thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I thought she was she was pretty solid. I I was a little surprised to see her carry a title again, but I mean, I think she's a solid, you know, female character. That's you know, maybe she's stronger for all the shit that she's gone through. I guess she ha- she 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 either be stronger or a wreck by now. So. <laughs> now, did she ever? She did eventually get all her memories and junk back, right? Um, I th- I, you know, I, I know that Professor X restored her memories, but he didn't. He couldn't restore the emotional connections that she had to them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, she remembered that she was married, but she didn't love her husband because you know she had no connection to the memory. Um, and that's another reason that she got pissed off at the X Men because they were sheltering Rogue, who was the one that drained all of her memories in the first place. Right. Right. 
that was actually an issue I considered taking to to Dragon Con and having uh, Mike Golden sign for me was uh, Avengers number ten, which was that or uh, Avengers uh, Annual rather number ten, which was that first uh, Rogue Ms. Marvel story. I think it's Rogue's first appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe. But uh, yeah, great, great issue. Beautiful, beautiful artwork in that. And I think I, I think I have the Essential Miss Marvel uh, that I picked up at some point, and I started to read it, and it was pretty good. Um, you know, she's putting J. Jonah Jameson in his place, which is always a, a fun read. But uh, did Stan write that? I don't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. I, I may be thinking of She-Hulk. I know he wrote that. Yeah. But I th- I want to say he wrote at least the first couple issues of Ms. Marvel, and I honestly can't I can't remember if he did that one or not. But uh, yeah, I've got one or two issues of that, and it yeah, it wasn't bad. I I, I like to pick up you know random essentials like that stuff that I wouldn't n- normally track down, mm-hmm. just so I can read it. I have Spider Woman too, just so one of these days get around to. <laughs> well, we ready for mine? I think so. Go for it. Okay. For this one, we are going back to December 1990, which when I got to thinking about the fact that uh, this time next year will be 20 years ago, I was like, (laughs) oh my god. This is Starman. Now, this is Starman, the Will Payton Starman series that was uh, started, I believe it was created by Roger Stern, and uh, I believe Tom Lyle was the artist on it at that time. This is issue 29. Um, that team has since left by this point. The cover artist on this is Dave Hoover, who uh, I, I like his art. You know, it's very serviceable. Mm-hmm. And but I was kind of disappointed to find it's not Hoover inside. Um, it was this issue's written by Len Strazuski, who I really I don't know that name. Um, art by another person I don't recognize, Grant, and I really don't know how to pronounce this name. It's M I E H M. I don't know if it's mime meme. I'm, I really don't know. Hmm. Inks by Scott Hanna. Uh, original cover price on this was a dollar, and I'm sure I paid less than that, but I, I don't know exactly what I paid. Story titled Re- uh, On the Rebound. And we start out with the story. These uh, these two hoods are driving into this uh, this Midwest town. It basically looks like a ghost town that uh, had been used as some sort of secret laboratory. <laughs> And they knock on the door to this uh, log cabin-looking house, and this crazy, wild-eyed scientist, mad scientist guy, answers the door, lets the guys in. They're there to check on their investment, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's this big, fat slob in a diaper, who's all strapped into this very almost Kirby-esque looking. You know, think back to like, uh, you know, the when the I forget who it was, whichever scientist created. Uh, Wonder Man and like those big fancy machines they'd strap the guys in and inject them. Oh, okay. This, this kind of looks like the same type of thing. And, you know, the guys say, you know, we're here to see you know, what progress you've made and whatever. And the sh- scientist says that he has been able to take this guy who I guess is a volunteer. He does, You know, he's not fighting or anything, so I guess he actually volunteered for this bizarre thing they're doing to him. He has been able to polymerize the guy's skin and make him basically abnormally plastic and virtually indestructible. He's uh, extremely pliable and expandable, and he injects something into him, and the guy starts to blow up to like freakish proportions. But this one panel is great 
he he's got this like he's all flabby with like this big oversized head that's got just a little bit of hair on it and he looks like a giant 